Thank you, Shauna, and your team leading us to that throne of grace and um, allowing us to sing songs of truth to our loving Father, a glorious Savior, allowing the Holy Spirit to flow this morning. I've got a bit of an echo. You can, I'm sure you could hear it. You know, from Genesis to Revelation, this, this book, it's all about God. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. They are the central figures, if you will, in this truth epic. And that's what it is. The Bible is the truth. And it really is an epic story. But they aren't the only players in, in this grand story of creation, fall, and redemption. So if I asked you who you thought the central characters in the Old Testament are, who would you say? Just shout out the names, the central characters of the Old Testament. Shout them out. You're all right. Yes, yes. How about in the New Testament? Just shout it out. Yes, you're all right. Good job. Excellent. You're smart. Whoa, you guys are just, you're on fire this morning. They're all excellent answers. You got, you got Abraham, Moses, David, Ruth, Mary, Joseph, Peter, John, Paul, some smart aleck even yelled out, Jesus. That's always the answer, Jesus, right? We know that from Sunday school. They're all central figures in this amazing love story. And we say that they're central figures based upon the amount of scripture there is about them. But they aren't the only central figures, nor are they the only important ones. Scripture, both old and new, is, is full with men and women who seem to just pass through the pages of biblical history with very little said about them. People like Archippus or, or Archie, um, Nathaniel, who we shortened to Nate, Elijah and, and Elisha that Pastor Elijah preached on last week. That must have been confusing, Pastor Elijah talking about Elijah. Our focus this morning is on another one of these characters, uh, Trophimus. I was trying to shorten Trophimus' name to something short, like Troph or Tro. Or my wife suggested I just go Mr. T, but I didn't, I didn't think that would work. So we're just going to call him Trophimus. Um, and he's a man who's only mentioned three times um, in the Bible, yet he, he left behind an amazing lesson for us today. And so we're going to get at that this morning. But would you pray with me? Father God, let me get out of the way of what you're going to do here today. Because Lord, I believe you've got an agenda for today. I don't know what your agenda is in my life. I don't know what your agenda is in the lives of those who are here today. But I know you have something going on. And so Father... Help me get out of the way so that through the power of the Holy Spirit, whatever you're doing can connect and land with the people the way you want it to connect and land. Father, use whatever you have given me this morning to convey what it is you want to be conveyed. And Lord, as we come to a time of ministry at the end of the service, Lord, that, that, that your spirit would be free to reign and that we would see chains fall to the ground. 
So thank you, God, for what you're doing, what you're about to do. In your name we pray. Amen. In 2 Timothy 3.16 and 17, we're told that all Scripture, all of it, all Scripture is God-breathed. It's, it comes from God, and it's useful for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. So all of Scripture, every bit of it, is useful to us so that we may be thoroughly equipped to do good works for God. This includes those long lists in the book of Numbers. You know, you get to the book of Numbers, you kind of go, yeah, I don't need to read that. No, that's useful for us. Includes all the exhausting genealogies from both Testaments, the New and the Old. You know, you get to the genealogies, so-and-so begat so-and-so who begat so, and you just, you flip. We all just flip. But you shouldn't flip, because it's God-breathed, and it's useful for something. It's useful to train us. It includes all the greetings of every letter in the New Testament, all the salutations in all the letters in the New Testament. It includes all the minor characters of Scripture. Minor only because of the lack of content said about them. And Trophimus, or Mr. T, is one such... That's not going to work. Mr. T's not going to work, Sherry. We're going to drop that one. I can't can't do that. i got a whole different image in my mind. No. So Trophimus is such a man. Like I said, he's only mentioned three times in the Bible, and it's all in the New Testament. The first time we see Trophimus or hear about him is in Acts chapter 20, when we read that he leaves the city of Ephesus with Paul and, and seven other men after a great disturbance is caused by a fellow by the name of Demetrius the silversmith. And Acts 20 says that after the uproar had seized, ceased, Paul was accompanied by uh, Sopater, son of Pyrrhus from Berea, um, Aristocharchus, and Secondus from Thessalonica, Gaius from Derby, Timothy also, and Tychius and Trophimus from the province of Asia. That's the first time we hear about Trophimus, that he, he's with Paul and these seven who have to leave Ephesus after a great disturbance has been caused by Demetrius the silversmith, who was against the Christians. Now, the second time Trophimus is mentioned is in Acts chapter 21, verse 29, where he's being blamed for a riot in Jerusalem. This poor guy can't get away from crowds and, 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 uh, and riots. He's referred to as Trophimus the Ephesian. You see, he was Greek, and he was a Greek who was living in Ephesus and who came to faith in Christ through Paul's preaching and teaching while in Ephesus. Many in Jerusalem saw Paul and Trophimus together because they were friends. They were companions. And so when Paul entered the temple in Jerusalem, the crowd just assumed that he took Trophimus in the temple with him, which was against the law, against the holy law. Acts 21 Verses 28 and 29. This is the man who preaches to all men everywhere against our people and the law and this place. The crowd is talking about Paul. And besides, he has even brought Greeks, Trophimus, into the temple and has defiled this holy place. So Paul was seized by the crowd. They beat Paul and they were looking to kill Paul. 
Instead, calmer heads prevailed, and he was sent to jail instead. And this event precipitated Paul being sent to Rome, where he ultimately died. Now, it's important to note in this story that Trophimus did not go into the temple with Paul. It was all fake news. Fake news. The final time Trophimus is mentioned is in our scripture this morning, 2 Timothy 4.20. This is believed to have been the last letter that Paul wrote before he died in Rome. And it was written while he was in jail. And he wrote it to his dear friend and partner in ministry, Timothy. It's a very um, personal letter. It gets very personal towards the end. And Paul is exhorting Timothy to keep fighting the good fight. At the same time, you can just hear in his writing how tired Paul is. He's near death. He's alone. And, and he's remembering. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 9 to 22. And we're going to read the scripture together. Chapter 9, Paul writes, Make every effort to come see me soon. For Demas, having loved this present world, he's deserted me, and he's gone to Thessalonica. Christians has gone to Galatia. Titus left to Dalmatia. Only Luke, only Luke is with me. So pick up Mark and bring him with you, for he is useful to me for service. But Tychius, well, I, I've sent him to Ephesus. When you do come, bring the cloak which I left at Troas and Carpus, with Carpus, and the books, especially the parchments. Alexander the coppersmith did me much harm there, and the Lord will repay him according to his deeds. Be on guard against him yourself, for he vigorously opposed our teaching. At my first defense, no one supported me, but all deserted me. May it not be counted against them. But the Lord stood with me and strengthened me so that through me, the proclamation might be fully accomplished, and that all the Gentiles might hear, and I was rescued out of the lion's mouth. The Lord will rescue me from every evil deed and will bring me safely to his heavenly kingdom. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Greet Priscilla and Aquila and the household of Oniphorus. Erastus remained at Corinth, but Trophimus... Trophimus I left sick at Maltus. Make every effort to come before winter. Eubulus greets you, also Pudens and Linus and Claudia and all the brethren. The Lord be with your spirit. Grace be with you. So the third mention of Trophimus is here in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 20. And it's where I want to focus the rest of our time this morning. Let's read it again. Erastus stayed in Corinth, and I, this is Paul speaking, and I left Trophimus sick in Maltus. So first, we, we, we read that Trophimus was, uh, was one of a band of companions who accompanied Paul into Asia, Acts chapter 20. Then we find him in company with the apostle in the city of Jerusalem, Acts 21. And, and, and now we find him laid up on a sickbed, in Maltus.
You know, Jesus healed in a variety of ways. If you read the scriptures, read the four gospels, Jesus spoke and people were healed. Jesus touched and people were healed. He, he spit and people were healed. Jesus' own garments healed people. Mary and Martha, two close friends of his, were upset at Jesus because they knew that if Jesus had come, he could have healed their brother Lazarus, who died of his illness. And in 1 Peter 2.24, we're told that by his wounds, we have been healed. Peter, working under the power of the Holy Spirit, healed a man who had been paralyzed for 40 years. And we're told that even touching his shadow could bring healing. Just touching the shadow of Peter brought healing. Acts chapter 5, verses 15 and 16, people brought the sick into the streets and laid them on beds and mats so at least Peter's shadow might fall on them as he passed by and they were all being healed by a shadow. This is not Peter. This is the power of the Holy Spirit. This is Jesus working in Peter. Paul the Apostle also healed many people. Some reports say in the thousands. Again, Paul, not doing it on his own steam and power, but under the influence of the Holy Spirit. It's God doing the healing through Paul. Acts 19, 11, and 12, God was performing extraordinary miracles by the hands of Paul, so that handkerchiefs or aprons were even carried from his body to the sick, and the diseases left them, and the evil spirits went out. Yet one of his best friends, a traveling companion of his, through thick and thin, good times and bad, Paul could not, did not heal. 2 Timothy 4.20, I left Trophimus sick in Maltus. Whatever the nature of his illness, Trophimus is clearly too weakened to continue ministering and is left in Maltus, which, by the way, if you look on our old map, is only 30 miles from Trophimus' own home and his home church in Ephesus, just 30 miles. If he was not seriously ill, he likely would have made it home easily to be in his own bed with his own family. But it became obvious that he couldn't travel anymore. So, so he had to stay in Maltus, in bed. M many have wondered and speculated why Paul did not or could not heal his friend Trophimus. Well, Scripture teaches us that belief, belief in God is needed for healing to occur. In Matthew 9, 20 to 22, Jesus healed a woman who had suffered for many, many years with constant bleeding. Scripture says, just then a woman who had suffered for 12 years with constant bleeding came up behind him. She touched the fringe of his robe, for she thought, if I could just touch Jesus' robe, I will be healed. 
Jesus turned around, and when he saw her, he said, Daughter, be encouraged. Your faith has made you well. And the woman was healed at that moment. And she was healed because she believed that even touching the cloak of Jesus would heal her. Belief that God can heal is necessary for you and I to be healed. Do you believe that Jesus can heal you? That's very underwhelming. Can't, do you believe that Jesus can heal you? Yes! Ah, I had a friend back in Ontario. His wife came to church. Is a retired couple. He worked for the um, Canadian government in a very high-ranking position. And his wife would come to our church, but he, Bob is his name. He would never come. And so I would go and visit them because she longed for him to meet Jesus and be saved. But he, he didn't believe in God. He didn't believe in faith or in anything. He believed in what he could do. And um, one day I got a call. And it was from Bob's wife. And she said, Pastor Frank, could you come over? We have to tell you something. Okay. So I went. and We sat down. And, and Bob looked at me. And he was just tears in his eyes. He says, I've, I've just been diagnosed with tongue cancer. He says, it's likely I'm going to lose my jaw. I'm going to lose all, if, if most, if not all, my, my tongue, my throat is going to be operated on. Life is not going to be what it was like for me. I might even die. He says, I'm scared. And Bob said, could you, could you pray that, that God would heal me? <laughs> you know, it's funny. I was a young pastor, and, and I, I said, no. <laughs> I know, I was a little cocky back then. I said, no. Because I said, you know why, Bob? Because you don't believe in God. I said, first, first you've got to believe in God. And so over a period of time, we led Bob through Bible studies and prayer. And it was like a, like a brick wall some days. And other days it was good. And then he started his chemotherapy. And then it got to a point where he went, okay, I'm ready. And he accepted Jesus. And then, then he died. Then he died. He died. But he was healed. He was healed, not physically on earth, but he was healed spiritually. And his wife was able to, to bury him knowing that she would see him again in heaven. You have to believe that Jesus can heal in order to be healed. We must have faith in the one who saves us from eternal death. That Jesus has the power to heal us here on earth. And you know, because Trophimus is so well thought of by Paul, I, I don't think he had a lack of faith that hindered his healing. So in his case, I don't think that was the case. But Scripture also teaches us that personal sin can hinder divine healing. James 5.16 tells us, Confess your sin to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. So unconfessed sin can prevent God from healing us. So I ask the question, you don't have to shout the answer out if you don't want, but do you have unconfessed sin in your life that is preventing God from healing you? When we're in Rosemary pastoring, a young couple and from a different faith background. They're, 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 
their newborn died 48 hours after being born. Doctors didn't know why. Their faith leader told the couple that it was because of their sin that the baby died. Let me tell you right now, that is not what I'm saying. That is not what our scripture says. Our sin does not cause illness to fall on other people. We, we, we're not sick because of sin that we have committed. We're sick because there is sin in the world and our bodies are frail and we will all one day die. But sometimes we, God can't heal us, won't heal us because we have unconfessed sin in our lives. The illness isn't caused by our sin, but maybe we're not going to be able to be healed because we're living in sin. I was able to do the funeral for that baby because understandably that family didn't want their faith leader having a funeral based around the idea that their sin caused their baby to die. And it led to a great number of people um, coming to the Lord because they had never heard the word grace before. They didn't understand what forgiveness was. And that's the cool thing about if you have sin in your life, there's forgiveness for that sin. And so we have to confess that sin. So sometimes our illness is caused or hindered by our personal sin, which is why we are encouraged to confess it to one another and to God so that he has a clean vessel from which he can work in. Paul, in his closing remarks in 2 Timothy, he had no problem, if you remember, speaking out against Demas. But he does speak well in favor of Trophimus. So in this case, I doubt Trophimus had unconfessed sin in his life. But Scripture also teaches that failure to ask for healing can prevent it from occurring. You see, if we don't ask and earnestly desire to be healed, God might not answer. When Jesus saw a lame man who had been sick for 38 years, he asked him in John chapter 5, would you like to be well? <laughs> He'd been sick for 38 years. And he says, well, I, I can't, sir. Um, I have no one to put me into the pond, the pool, with, when the water bubbles. Because they believed that this, this water had some magical properties and could heal people. And so he sat by this pond for likely years upon years. He never tried to get in the pond by himself. He, he, I don't know if he asked people, but he just couldn't get into the pond. He said, someone always gets there ahead of me. He always had an excuse. And Jesus says, would you like to be healed? Because he never asked God to heal him. He was trusting in this pool to heal him. And he had a million excuses of why he couldn't get to the pool. So let me ask you, are you sick today? Physically, spiritually, emotionally? Are you, are you not well today? But have you asked God to heal you? Have you thought... Maybe I'll just ask God to heal me. Instead of struggling with what you're struggling with, have you ever thought to just stop and ask God, heal me? We have a friend who was in a wheelchair since he was three years old, a believer since he was three years old. And just one day we're having a prayer service. And I thought, oh, for sure he'll come up. You know, he's in a wheelchair. Pray for him. Never came up. And I said to him after the service, you never came. He says, nah. He says, 
I'm just used to being in this wheelchair. I think that's God's plan for my life. I said, have you ever asked God to heal you? He says, well, no, I just figured that this is what God's plan is for my life. You ever thought maybe God's plan for your life is that you asked to be healed? And he said, yeah, I never thought of that. Sometimes we're so used to the pain that we're in that we forget to ask the one who is the great physician to heal us. Sometimes we don't ask because we don't want to be a bother. I don't want to bother God with this. There's other people worse off than me. Maybe we're just willing to put up with the illness. And so we don't ask. Not because of a lack of faith or because of sin, but simply because we're just used to being sick. Well, in James chapter 4, verse 2, Scripture lays it out. You do not have because you do not ask. Have you asked? (laughs) Now, there's no biblical evidence that Trophimus didn't ask. So I can't say that's the reason Paul couldn't heal Trophimus. So why no healing for Trophimus if it's not lack of belief or unconfessed sin or the fact that maybe he didn't ask to be healed? I mean, Paul healed all sorts of people. He healed the deaf, the blind, the paralyzed, the demon-possessed, people with bleeding disorders, and so many more. But he didn't heal his friend Trophimus. So why? Well, one reason could very well be that God had a higher purpose in mind. That God had a higher purpose in mind. C.S. Lewis wrote in his book, The Problem of Pain. This is C.S. Lewis. He says, God whispers to us in our pleasures. He speaks in our conscience, but he shouts in our pain. It is his megaphone to rouse a deaf world. We may, we may not understand it at the time, but sometimes God desires to do more than simply heal our physical bodies. In the case of my friend Bob, it wasn't, the plan wasn't for Bob to be healed physically. His whole cancer led to him being saved, which is much better, because he gets to be in heaven. God's ways are much higher than our ways. His purposes are so much different than ours. In his infinite wisdom, God will use our physical suffering to develop our character and produce spiritual growth in us. And I'm I'm not suggesting, I'm not suggesting that we should never stop praying for healing, but I am saying that maybe we should be asking God to show us the higher plan or the better purpose he may be accomplishing through our pain. It's okay to ask those questions and ask for healing at the same time. Another reason why God may not have healed Trophimus is for his own glory, is for God's glory. It is possible that God is planning to do something powerful and wonderful through our illnesses, something that will bring even greater glory to his name than a mere healing would. As it was in the case of Lazarus. Jesus purposely didn't get to Bethany in time to heal Mary and Martha's brother, his his good friend Lazarus, because he had a much more amazing miracle in store. He was going to raise Lazarus from the dead, which was witnessed by others and caused them to have faith in Jesus Christ. We had a friend uh, in our church um, who was very sick. He had pancreatic cancer. It was a very painful cancer. 
He was hospitalized for a long time. Every time he went to go visit him, um, he just said, Pastor, I, I want to die. Why, why won't God take me? I prayed for healing. Um, he hasn't healed me. I know, I, know I, I, I don't have a lot of time. I just, the pain is so bad. I just, I want to go. I want to go be in heaven. I want to be in heaven with Jesus. Why won't he take me? Why? Why? I, I, I was coming up empty. I don't know. Did you ask him? Yeah, he doesn't tell me. So then I went home and I prayed. And the next time I went to visit him, I had an answer. I said, are you witnessing? He's like, what? When you're in the hospital here, are you, are you telling people about Jesus? No. I said, I'm not saying this is the answer. I'm not telling you this is the answer. But maybe God wants you to witness in your pain to the glory of God while you wait for him to take you home. Well, he died about nine days later. And at the funeral, his wife and his family told stories of how every day, all day long, this guy was witnessing left, right, and center to everybody he could talk to. And I just thought, oh, praise you, Jesus. Like, that's just so awesome. I don't know if that was the answer, but it worked for him. And he, he started witnessing, and then just in his mercy, God took him. So we don't know what God's up to, guys. Gals, we don't know what he's doing. So sometimes we're sick because God wants to bring glory to his name. And another reason God may not have healed Trophimus is, is because it was, just wasn't God's time. Hebrew 9.27 tells us that we're all going to die. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 writes that our bodies are like tents that we live in here on earth. Um, when you buy a brand new tent, it's all clean, it's tight, it's firm, it stretches well. It does a great job of repelling the wet and the cold and the heat. But each summer, as we pull up that tent, use it, it slowly deteriorates over time. There are stains that need to be cleaned. It loses its firmness. It, it sags a bit. It can't repel the elements as good as it once did until finally that tent just can't be used anymore. So then you just have to get, get rid of it. See, as part of our fallen state, death is often accompanied by sickness and suffering as we leave this earth as we leave our bodies of flesh behind us and step into the afterlife. So another reason um, healing may not occur is that it's simply God's time to take the believer home. Sometimes the answer to our healing is not physical healing on earth, but spiritual healing in heaven, that God just takes us home because we've done what we've, we've been asked to do and our time is finished. And so we get to go be with Jesus in heaven. Later on in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, it says, But then these tents are destroyed. We know that God will give each of us a place to live. So once our, our tent bodies are destroyed, God has a place for us to live with him in, in heaven. And death is the ultimate healing for the believer. And when we have this wonderful promise to look forward to, when we reach our final destination at home with God in heaven, we get to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. Revelation 21.4, he will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All these things are gone forever. As much as we long to be healed on earth, isn't it our goal? Shouldn't it be our goal to just to get to heaven and experience that type of healing? My answer to that is I say yes. I say yes. I'm going to invite the worship team to come forward now. 
is, is pure conjecture on my part, but based on the tone of Paul's second letter to Timothy, I believe that Paul wanted to heal his friend Trophimus. You can almost read that as he wrote, as he penned that, that sentence that I left Trophimus and Maltus on his sickbed, that he was, he was sad about that. He wasn't happy. It was, it was like a, an uncompleted project that maybe Paul had. Um, he likely tried to heal his friend, but he failed. See, God had a higher purpose for Trophimus' illness. And it was to have it recorded in Scripture as a reminder that not every ill person can be healed. That's why I think Trophimus is in Scripture, is a reminder that not every ill person is healed on earth. God will use our illness for his glory, whatever it might be, and it's a reminder that God's timing is always perfect, and his ultimate healing of us is death, which leads to eternal life for all those who have placed their trust in Jesus, which I think confidently we can say Trophimus had. But while we are waiting for that to occur, that super jet liner to the sky, we are told to ask for healing. And we're told to ask in faith. If you have faith, Scripture says, the size of a mustard seed, nothing will be impossible for you. I want to invite you to stand with us as we close or sing this last song. We just want to focus on God's goodness and his faithfulness to us. you down as we're going to have some private ministry time here. Uh, if you're home watching, please continue to pray for what is about to happen as we, as we pray for healing for one another. And uh, if you are at home and you need to be prayed for healing, would you contact the staff here? But for you online, God bless you. You can, you can go.